0: Hey, 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 it's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and this is news that you can use for Wednesday, September 6th. Well, uh, who the hell? Oh, from Edge with your hosts, Ray and Zach.
1: All right, here is the deal. We are going to jump into fleet sales data that we talked about a little bit yesterday. Dad, what's going on at General Motors and Stellantis continues to be pretty shocking, to be honest. We have... The latest data here from Cox Automotive. Robust August fleet sales reflect month over month gains in commercial and government sectors. The reason we are jumping on General Motors and Stellantis. Yeah. General Motors had the largest increase of volume, a large volume automakers in August, followed by Stellantis. Ford surprisingly had the largest decrease. Of sales into fleets, we talked about this just a little bit yesterday. Yes, Look we didn't touch on it. Look at that, Mark. Mark is on it. Yeah, likely fleet sales. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Nearly one in five cars sold last month was a fleet sale, so sold to not a consumer. And the automakers leading the way there, those that had the largest increases in their fleet sales, were General Motors, Jeep, Chrysler, Dodge, and Ram. And that does not sit well, especially when you start to look at year over year sales for some of those brands, like Jeep, for example, their sales are actually down. They're down amidst the fact that they're increasing their fleet sales. this This paints the picture of what's actually going on. The numbers look better than they are.
0: Well, we've been saying that for months. you know, i I, I seem to recall um, um, speaking poorly about, the industry publication automotive news one time because the headline I'm said close the blind. Yes, Yeah. Said, said, uh, how sales were up and then, you know, somewhat buried in the lead was the fact that, well, it was fleet sales that were up. Retail sales were not necessarily up, but fleet sales are up. Now that's not to say that historically the, there haven't been fleet. There always have been fleet sales, but the percentage of fleet sales historically has been somewhere around twenty percent. But for the past few years, it has been well below that, and the increase in the amount of fleet sales has
1: been significant over the past year. Um, Significant. I mean, look at the look at the chart. Let me pull it up on the screen for everyone. Cox Automotive, fortunately, actually puts out data like this. This chart shows you monthly year over year change for fleet versus retail. Fleet is going to be blue. Orange is going to be retail. It's not even close. The month over month gains in fleet sales. Significantly outpace the month over month gains in retail sales. There are many months here, yes, where retail sales were actually down year over year, or pretty much down. They are up a little bit, but not nearly as much as fleet sales. Fleet sales are buoying all the numbers that we see. Oh, I like they that. are. They're no, certain, they are. Yeah, no, you're,
0: you're right. I'm not. I'm not. You know, this is this is one of those rare occasions where I'm not arguing with you, where I'm not disagreeing with you, Um, because. I've been saying, we've been saying it for months. When you dig a little more deeply into the numbers, you begin to understand that the retail market is is either up slightly or flat in many cases. And it is fleet sales that have been leading the way to to indicate that, well, seasonally adjusted sales rates are higher than really
1: what they are. And I love how the data gets reported, That because we were looking at this just the other day, and if I'm not mistaken, it was 18% yes. of new vehicles sold, or fleet vehicles. So let's look at the actual numbers here. We've got 1.099 million retail units sold, 230,000 fleet shipments. That's, That's more true. than one in five, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's, it's still around 20%. It's around 20%. Yeah, because
0: it's 1.1 million. Yep. So if it was, so it should be at at 20%, it would be uh,
1: 220,000. You know, it's close enough to 20%, maybe 21%. So the number of vehicles that are being sold to commercial customers continues to rise and outstrip the amount of demand from consumers. That, to me, speaks volumes to what's actually going on in the market, especially when you start to think about, we talked about this a bit yesterday as well, there's a huge negative equity crisis going on. The average interest rate to finance a new or used vehicle is well above 9%. Yes. So there's a lot of case to be made for why consumers are taking themselves out of the market. These automakers still are able to report incredible numbers.
0: Yes, but but it, we've been saying for months and months and months that the supply of people in the market is much lower than what it has been in the past, but that, that lower supply, for the most part, the people that they're appealing to, still has the wherewithal with as high as the prices are to continue to buy cars. So what we've really seen over the last year and a half, two years perhaps, is the widening of that chasm between those who can be in the market and those who cannot. Okay. Those who can afford to buy a car and those who cannot afford to buy a car. And that chasm is wider today and probably deeper today than it has ever been in the history of our country. Yeah. Um, But the The manufacturers are thinking to themselves, well, if we can if we can appeal to twenty five percent of the market that that can afford to buy cars and and that twenty percent represents, I don't know, fifty or twenty five percent represents fifty or sixty million people, well, the manufacturers have to be thinking, well, that's an ample enough supply of of people in the marketplace. If it were me, I I would feel better if the people that were actually in the marketplace was $100 Yeah. Okay? Uh, But in order to do that, they would have to then offer the less profitable for them uh, lower content, less expensive vehicles. Which Uh, typically are the fleet vehicles, right? In many cases, they are. But those are just the, the fleet vehicles at this point, the ones that they're not making a lot of money on, Okay. Well, all the other vehicles that they're selling are high volume, high profit margin vehicles. Maybe not even high volume anymore, but high, high profit margin. Yeah. yeah. Profit margin vehicles so that they can they can afford to absorb a higher percentage of fleet sales because the gross profit built into what they are actually retailing is so damn high. Yeah. Mm, 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 yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it is. It has never been a worse time for someone to enter the market to buy a
1: car. But I think some of right these leading now. indicators demonstrate that it could potentially become a better time. Obviously, there's all sorts of other factors. We're going to spend some time today talking about the UAW strike because there's new news there. There's also that another indicator that would suggest that yes. would suggest that it could become a better time to buy a car would be from the industry publication Auto Finance News. Rising interest rates rates lead to a 68% dip in floor plan interest income. Dealer profit continued to decline in Q2. There's all sorts of data out there that yes. demonstrates that dealers are starting to pay to hold inventory on their lots again. Yes. The way that this works, for those of you that are unfamiliar, most car dealers are just like you and I. They do not pay cash to buy their cars. Yeah. They finance them, and that's called a floor plan. That floor plan is essentially just a line of credit. one exactly what it is. Dealers can make money off of that floor plan because, for new vehicles, the auto, the, the original equipment manufacturer, the OEM, will actually subsidize. Because traditionally, in the past, the vehicles would sit there for a significant yes. amount of time. The automakers will actually subsidize that vehicle sitting there. I mean, on some Fords, I've seen invoices where FPA floor plan assistance could be like three, four, five hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, and and you know, it, it could be uh, that the first fifteen days of floor plan that the manufacturer covers or floor plan assistance is. Gets paid if and if if it's an order car or a pre-sold car when it comes in, it gets sold right away. That floor plan assistance, if it was three, four, five hundred dollars, that floor plan assistance basically becomes a profit center for the dealership because they're not going to have to expend that money to cover there is the no floor, floor plan. Yeah, there is no
1: floor plan experiment.
0: on that vehicle. Yeah. Now, so we know that that dealer profits are down slightly this year over last year. Mm -hmm. Okay, that dealerships aren't making as much money as they did last year or the year before that. And even though dealer profits are down, they are still up probably close to 35 to 40% above what they had been prior to the pandemic. So as we see... Profit levels for the dealerships declining slightly. They are still in so much better a position today than they were. For sure. But my point is, Dad,
1: that there are these indicators that would suggest that you should be able to get more negotiability and and better pricing because we have these fleet sales going up, not retail sales nearly as much. And then you have floor plan um, income dropping, becoming an expense again. Think about that. Imagine in any other type of business where a a traditional expense category, something that you lose money on, becomes an income category.
0: Well, (laughs) and it it has been. Oh, it has. It has for many of the dealers. For the past two years. Yes. Now, that's not the case, say, at Stellantis. It's probably – I'm sorry
1: to hear that. Yeah. Um, But yes, let's wave. Yay. Um, Definitely not the case at Stellantis. Yeah. It definitely is the case that they're spending more money on floor planets. Yes.
0: Well, it's definitely not the case at Stellantis that has now become a profit center for for their dealers. dealers. Yeah. And it's not the case at Ford for the most part. And it's not the case at at General Motors for the most part. Yep. It is at Toyota. It is at Honda. Because those cars never touch. The ground. Well, They're they pre, tu- t- They're they, pre- they, sold they, they touch the ground. They just don't spend very much time on the ground. Yeah, and and so um, whatever the floor plan assistance is, it's it's much greater than what their actual floor plan costs would be. So in, for those brands, it still remains a profit center. My point simply was, even though floor plan costs are going up for the GM brands, the uh, Stellantis brands, and the Ford and Lincoln. Uh, Brands, Um, the dealers are still making more profit dealership wise today by 30, 40% than they did prior to the pandemic. Even yeah. with much higher floor plan charges.
1: Pops, let's go to the chat here for a quick moment. And then okay. we've got a few other stories that we need to look at. We've got from Drew, yes, off topic, but was looking at your email templates today and notice they still include references to supply chain issues. Yes. Is that still relevant to include when contacting a dealer? I'm gonna I'm just gonna mention it. We have I'll pull them up on the screen in a second, free email templates for contacting car dealers. You should probably put your eyes on those and maybe do a quick revision to them or maybe even work with, with the team a little bit. Because I do think for most brands, mentioning that there's supply chain issues is not relevant anymore.
0: No, it's it's still relevant for, for Toyota, for Honda, um, for Hyundai, for Kia. It's certainly not relevant um, for most of your GM,
1: Ford or Stellantis products. So, we need to add that, that asterisk yes. on the, uh, yeah, on the email template so,
0: Yeah. Uh, you, you might want to,
1: yeah, we, I guess. Yeah, we, maybe we should. Yeah. I'll yeah. yeah. we'll yeah. connect you with Dan. Yeah. So if you go to the car website, it's pretty straightforward. Go find a car that you're interested in. Da, 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 da. Great. It's this XT4. Oh, yes, certainly. And if I scroll down here, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? View email templates. And it'll take you right to all of the various email templates. So there you go. You and they cost them. how much? That is free. Good, sir. That oh, my free. goodness gracious. Let's jump back to the chat here. Okay. Dad, we've got from Random indie Toyota inventory is terrible. I read on the Toyota forms there's a three-year wait time for a RAV4 Prime.
0: Okay. Well, you know, um, in my case, you know, it would be one of the things is, is if I were to give you a deposit, to hold my place is <laughs> that refundable years. in case I die between now and then? <laughs> yes. will, will my
1: estate get that money back? <laughs> yeah, will your estate get the money back? That is that is terrible. Deep Dive Auto once to that how bad is a dealer with a twenty a new twenty twenty one still sitting on their lot?
0: How bad are they? Um,
1: what type of situation are they in? Well,
0: well, that's probably a car that they own. Yeah, um, what type? They're of not floor plan in that yeah. one. What type of situation are they in? Uh, you know that that is that is a dealer principal who is thinking that um, ultimately he's going to have the only one left in America, and somebody's going to want it, and they're going to have to pay for it, and he's willing to wait however long that takes. Sounds like an owner I used to work for. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's not the business practice that I would advocate. Okay. Um, it's not gaining value sitting there for three years. It's just not. You know, it's actually probably costing you money because, well, just sitting and doing nothing, probably going to need tires when you go to sell it because it's going to have flat spots in the tires. And, and lot rot is, is, is going to hit other aspects of the vehicle. And so, Before you know it, you're going to be spending several hundred or thousands of dollars to bring it back up to snuff to sell it as a new car.
1: I like this from Justice here. We saw some new 2022s. I don't want to say the Ford word, but I've seen a few new 2022s from that OEM last month. I think they were waiting on chips. You've got to remember, if you're watching this channel or the Car Edge channel two years ago, Mm -hmm. we were talking about cars waiting for chips. We don't talk about that anymore because it's not a story. Cars have chips. But there were a lot of cars sitting around waiting, yes. and there are still some of those I'm sure lingering and making their way into the market. The great way to know when a car was produced is to look in the door jam, yes, in the B filler you,
0: and it'll give you the uh, on the on the plate there. It'll tell you
1: what month and year it was manufactured. It absolutely will. All right, let's switch gears. Dad found some interesting data over on IC Cars. They did an analysis of the least expensive and most expensive. Areas, cities where you can buy a used car right now. This wow. data I thought was super interesting. Here we go. Cleveland okay. Akron. The yeah. average used car price is the lowest in the country. It's 8.1% below the national average at $31,458. Cincinnati, Ohio, 31,622. You know what that indicates to me? What's that say to you, Pops?
0: It says to me that Ohio is not a place I'd want to live. Yeah. Apparently. Um uh, economics-wise, um, things aren't going well in some of those major areas in, in Ohio. I'd because- be concerned
1: about rust.
0: Huh? I'd be concerned about rust. Yeah, but my point is the reason the prices are lower is because the people can't afford higher prices there. Okay. So that's that
1: the true is that do you feel like that's true for number four, or number five? Fresno Visalia, California yes. or Orlando, Dayton Beach, Florida. Daytona. Daytona Beach, excuse yeah,
0: me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know.
1: Well, another, well much, another one on here, Columbus so high.
0: How, how much do you think uh, Disney
1: workers are getting paid? I have no clue. Neither
0: do I. But, you no know, it's, those are a lot of hourly wage
1: people. So you can see here. You can see the locations that have yes. the lowest used car prices. Look at this, Dad. The 10 most expensive cities to buy a used car. Ooh. Can't be too surprised by number one. Why? West Palm Beach, because, Florida. Because it's a fairly wealthy area. 10% higher yes. to buy a used car there than anywhere else. And that's just I see cars methodology as list price. That's not even including dealer fees and everything like mm-hmm. that. So Florida's yeah. the worst state to buy Denver?
0: A car. Yeah, these are all wealthier Boston, areas. Seattle,
1: Tacoma, Salt Lake City, yeah. Charlotte, Dallas, Fort Worth, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Los Angeles, and Boston. Go
0: figure. I mean, they're all wealthier. Does areas. that mean that
1: you should travel? If I live in Pierce, uh, you know, what was it? Uh, uh, yeah, West Palm Beach. Yeah. I live in West Palm Beach, Florida. Should I buy a used car from, wait a second. Cleveland or Cleveland. Cincinnati? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what that says.
0: That's, yeah. And, and you know, the difference is the rust that you're going to have from Cleveland <laughs> will be from the salt that they used on the roads in the winter as opposed to the ocean water salt from the
1: hurricanes. Um, there you go. Yeah they're both gonna have rust (laughs) i feel like this is kind of interesting like it does it does speak to potential opportunities yes to look outside your market yeah i mean
0: look at at norfolk portsmouth newport news i you know the military installations um yeah there there are yeah that's what it tells you
1: so IC cars even went further and they actually showed here it is yeah the most and least expensive cities is to buy popular used cars. Look at this: data. a Chevrolet Malibu, yeah. Chevy Malibu. Yeah. The least expensive metro area is Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Do you know the why? The most expensive is Dallas. Yeah. Do you know why? Huh.
0: Well, because if you're in the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area, you 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 have to you have to indicate that you've achieved a certain uh, lifestyle, and well, a Malibu isn't saying it for you, but that Lambo might look at the potential savings though.
1: 17.6% potential savings. If you're in Miami Fort Lauderdale and yes. instead of buying your Chevy Malibu there, you go to Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Same thing for the Toyota Tacoma. You can yeah. save Now, why, why why would it be
0: so cheap in the Dallas Fort Worth, Texas area? Because everybody wants a damn pickup truck. Nobody wants a Malibu in Dallas-Fort Worth. You you might actually get arrested for driving a
1: Malibu <laughs> instead of a pickup truck. In his opinion. In um, my opinion. The Ram 1500. You yes. could save 16.5%, which is $7,800 yes. by buying one in Akron, Ohio, instead of Denver, Colorado. Yes. This is super interesting. We're actually working on one of our community members, uh, a really kind gentleman named Colin. He's a GIS professional. Colin, what what,
0: what G I S was it?
1: G I S stands for G I S stands for geographic information system. Something your sister yeah no, did when she was, was that's in college. What she, yeah, yeah, when she went to McGill, that was her. Yeah, part of her undergrad. Yeah. Yeah. So we had this man. Because he's reaching out to us to help us think through how we could show car trends and show available inventory spatially, like on a map. Gotcha. This data paired with that would be oh my so goodness interesting. yes. Go to yeah. Akron instead of Denver to buy that yes. Ram 1500. It'd yeah. save you seventy eight hundred. Who cares about the thousand dollars to ship it? It's well, worth it. Get shipping it. You know, you you fly, fly out there, there and you, drive. You know,
0: yeah, and then you then you head over to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before you make your drive back.
1: Anyway, stay tuned. We're, we're working on something there. We'll see yeah. if anything comes of it, but it's super interesting. And we love when community members reach out well, to us with ideas. You. From Rootslayov, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Thank you for the contribution. Thank you guys for the work that you do. If the UAW gets their pay increase, I will leave my hospital job and go work at the factory. <laughs> Uh, All gosh. right, let's talk a little bit about the UAW yeah. strike. There, this well, headline, there is no strike yet. The potential, the seemingly yes. likely well, UAW yes, strike. Yes, This headline from Ford Authority I thought was really spot on. Okay. New UA deal or even strike could prove costly for Ford. It doesn't really matter what the outcome here is. It's going to be expensive no matter what for these automakers.
0: Well, the, it does matter in the sense that if they're producing cars and they are and they are shipping them to their dealers and invoicing them to their dealers and they have money coming in. If there's just a strike, there ain't no money coming in. So there is a difference. There is a Either difference. way, exactly. it's going to impact their business. Okay. And if there is a strike and and then ultimately a settlement, that's going to impact the rest of us because I've said it before. It would be foolish of us to think that as these manufacturers costs go up to produce these vehicles, that we're not going to see a commensurate increase in the MSRPs to cover that new increase in costs. Totally. To produce these. So, so either way, it's going to not only impact Ford or GM or Stellantis, actually all three of them, it's going to impact you and I as consumers. So um, yeah, the UAW workers, that the, they'll get a win, they'll have some more money, and the rest of us will need more money to be able to afford to buy these overpriced vehicles to begin with that we've already established. Uh, Appeal to a much smaller market than they used to because there's fewer and fewer people who can actually
1: afford to buy the damn things. While OEMs are making more money than they've ever made before, um, yeah, and, and,
0: really and, and while dealers are making
1: more money, are making
0: more money than they've ever made before, even though it's down slightly this year. Yeah, yeah. So what it means is, as consumers, we're screwed. <laughs> OK, it's just as simple. We're going to pay more. We're really, going to pay no, more matter, for what. Every, no yeah. matter what, that's no matter what, no matter what we're going to pay more.
1: So do you really think that new vehicle MSRPs from the big three will go up even more no matter what happens after September 14th? Like that's your expectation for the next model years. So that you're just going to you're just going to see increases in MSRPs because they all have to pay for either they're going to pay for increased wages that they negotiate or they're going to pay for it in terms of they're going to have this new cost center because they're not producing vehicles. And eventually they're going to have to pay for it because they're going to have to increase wages. Like no matter what, they're going to have to increase wages. You know, there's very few times that you ever see
0: year over year the MSRP of a vehicle go down. Okay, that, that, that happens rarely. You're right. Okay, every every year you anticipate that there's going to be some type of cost increase from the current model year to the next model year. Now I can think back to 19... 99 I think it was when when Acura had the TL and they actually came out with the uh, 3.2 TL and they increased the amount of equipment in the vehicle while reducing the price the MSRP of the vehicle by four or five thousand dollars. that doesn't happen very often okay um, now trust me since then, the, the, the price of the TL has done nothing but go up. So either way, the prices are always going to continue to go up. But if there's a strike, or even if there isn't a strike, if there's a, if there's a, a, a new um, agreement between the UAW and these manufacturers prior to ever having a strike, and it's going to cost the manufacturers more money, Well, then the prices are either way, the prices are going up. Either that, those costs always get transferred to the ultimate buyer of the vehicle. The the consumer is the one that ultimately covers the cost
1: of those increases. For some context here, the UAW to General Motors, a thousand new requests. Is what GM Authority is reporting. Yeah, a thousand new requests. So it's not just we hear the headlines. Forty percent pay increase. Forty-six. Forty-six percent pay mm-hmm. increase. Thirty-two hour. Work. Thirty-two hour. Work. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of demands in here, and this is to be very clear. Yes. The purpose of un- unionized labor in the United States is to protect the, the the laborers, the workers. Yes.
0: No. Absolutely. So this
1: process is working as intended. They are negotiating, and September fourteenth has not come and gone yet. Yeah. The unfortunate reality, I think, for all of us who have been a a part of this journey, and what I mean by that is the past three years of watching car prices go through the roof, is that you're right. No matter what, we're going to see new vehicle prices continue to increase. Yes, And that's not good because we've seen an entire departure from affordability. Like that does. There is no such thing as affordability for new cars anymore, with the exception, or I should say, for the domestics. There are no affordable options for the domestics relative to their, you know, uh, international peers. So, no matter what, not really a great story. And
0: and the fact that there's in excess of a thousand demands, the, the one of the most important aspects of negotiations that you have to understand is in every negotiation. You, there's always requests for things you never ever anticipate getting you know i've said to you if we ever get big time big time big time i want i want a trailer with my name on it and i want and i want that refrigerator filled with tons of bottled water now you know do i really expect to get the bottled water no but i want the damn trailer <laughs>
1: The bottled water is a throwaway. You're the funny. you <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: never said that. that. That was a good one. You, that was funny. That was good.
0: Yeah. So so every every negotiation, whether it be the UAW against the manufacturers or customers against car dealers, each side is including something that they never anticipate getting. And if they do, they're going to poo their pants. They go, <laughs> holy I can't believe I got that. Okay, um, but but they're just throwaway items, so that you can agree to say, okay, I'll take that off the table.
1: That's why they got a thousand of them. Let's quickly do our favorite segment <laughs> of this show. Really, you've got to be kidding me. All right. So again, the public service announcement. Thank you again to Mike E. We've got another Ford dealer misrepresenting MSRP's, gang. So this is now just a public service announcement. Okay, you are in the market to buy a new car. I can't believe we're saying this, but the MSRP has listed on their website is $74,340, but yes. $7, mm. savings, and is a $7,000 savings. And this is it's
0: Schottenkirk Ford in Jasper, I'm assuming, Wyoming.
1: Okay, that's fine. Um, well, that's what it says, Jasper, just Schottenkirk Ford. And then here is yeah, the, the window actual? sticker, 72800 And what did they say it was? This can be, to be very clear. Yeah. We're empathetic to the idea of making mistakes. We make mistakes all the time. Yes. This is not – I'm not calling out Schott and Kirk Ford, not in the slightest. This is a mistake that can't happen. This is a public service announcement to consumers to double-check the and 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 to the dealers
0: who are posting that perhaps – Double-check your own stuff. Yeah, double-check your stuff that perhaps somebody's dyslexic when it comes to typing in some of this information, you are way too kind to these dealers to, to suggest that it might just be... A, a,
1: um, no, because I'm empathetic, too. We have issues that I'm come up on, too. on our website, That's,
0: too. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. yeah, Okay. I get it. Check the rest of their damn inventory and then tell me. <laughs> now that, that I can buy into. Okay. Because if, 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 on most of their inventory, there is that discrepancy. Then uh, one might surmise that it is intentional. No, but we don't. But we don't know that until we were to check their inventory. Even if
1: it was all incorrect, that doesn't mean it was intentional. What else would it be? I'm just saying. I've had <laughs> many bugs, many issues Wait, that, 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 that have come, that come that up that in our website. Yeah. It doesn't okay. necessarily mean it was intentional. If the
0: MSRP's are inflated on their website, what if they're on, all
1: inflated by the same amount? If they're, then it's intentional. No, <laughs> maybe it was just a bug. It's not a bug.
0: They, this ain't the flu, <laughs> okay? Oh my! Stop it! I, I you know, I, I, I know that you don't want Kirk suing us, okay? I, I don't want them to, you know. I, I just, I have to cut it off there, folks.
1: All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you everyone for joining us. We'll be back at what time? Uh, 12.02. We're
0: adding two minutes (laughs) to our starting time, much like some dealers add $2,000 to their MSRP. 12 at noon tomorrow, noon Eastern, nine specific, 8 a.m. in Anchorage and 6 a.m. in Honolulu. We'll see you all back here tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen.
1: See you guys. (laughs)